0: Hey, it's Amber, and welcome to season three of Politics But Make It Fashion. Come chat with me. 72 Hours of Hell, My Time in the VA is out now on Amazon. This short story is about my time being in the Veterans Affairs Hospital on a voluntary 72-hour hold. This journey through involuntary hold was marked by humiliation, broken promises and a profound sense of vulnerability. My path towards seeking help was extremely challenging. Despite the setbacks faced, I hope my journey will lead other veterans and anyone else facing mental health issues to the care and support they might desperately require. 72 Hours of Hell, My Time in a VA is available now on Amazon Kindle. hey guys happy sunday happy snowy snowy sunday um i hope everyone in nepa or everybody who got snow is enjoying the snow here this is the first time we've had snow snow in a couple years so it's really nice um any other parents forced to be outside in the snow today because i was i was a victim. Outside, being forced to play in the snow with the child, <laughs> it um it was really nice. And luckily, we live somewhere where we can walk right across the street, and there's a little little hill over there that's perfect for kids to use. So uh, my Minnie and her friend were over there sledding today, and we came inside and had some soup. So I hope everyone is enjoying the snow, and hopefully, you guys don't have to go anywhere because I don't. I don't appreciate driving in the snow and i don't appreciate the way people here drive in the snow so um some updates for me it is 2024 are you guys excited about it i am because 2023 was a wreck okay it needs to just go and we don't need to talk about it anymore <laughs> but i've seen i saw a lot of people posting you know their year-end reviews and stuff that and I kind of just wanted to give you guys a little tip. So one thing that I learned how to do when I was in the Navy was we would make these like I love me binders because every year you would ha- get evaluated for your job and you would write your eval pretty much. You'd write out all the stuff that you did and most of the time you do not remember everything that you did. You forget. Um we do a lot more than we think we do and The reason that I was thinking about it was because there's a lot of posts saying how if you didn't get a lot accomplished this year, if you didn't, like, go change the world, then that's okay if all you did was survive. And I was thinking just in that as well, though, there's so much that we do that we don't even realize that we did or accomplished or a little, like, recognition here that you did something or there that you kind of forget by the end of the year So an I Love Me binder was something that I would put together every time I did something, I got a certificate or an award or just did something cool, I'd put it in there. So now it's basically on my phone in my notes. So anytime I speak somewhere or get to sing somewhere or get to sit on a panel or, you know, be on TV or do anything, I always put it in my notes folder And just write it. So then by the end of the year, if I'm doing an end of the year review, um, I do like to do um, like an end of the year kind of like blog post and stuff. Y'all, I have not done it yet, but that's a way that I go back and I look at that and I'm able to see all of the stuff that I got to do um, this year. So some updates on the Israel-Palestinian war. Um, top Hamas leader was assassinated in Lebanon. So question, could this now be a new front of the war in Gaza um, on Lebanon now? Because the Israeli army allegedly is assassinating Hamas leaders in another country. Um, so... One of the other things that's happening right now is Israel had previously told Palestinians to evacuate to Rafa which is also southern Gaza um, but now they are bombing Rafah, and there are food and water shortages and there's nowhere to sleep and people are digging through the rubble to find any type of fabric or anything to make tents. So um, as a thing I've been talking about previously, there's a lot of kids, most of the population in Gaza is young, are minors. So 90% of infants are experiencing food poverty and starvation. There's no clean water. There's no clean food. There's no access to any of these things. And so these people were told to evacuate to Rafa and now they evacuated there and now that area is being bombed. So I don't understand. Make it make sense. The death toll right now is twenty-two thousand seven hundred and twenty-two Palestinians who have been killed, and fifty-eight thousand people who are currently injured. And I'm sure that's gonna just keep going up. Also, with the um, there's rain happening and there's a lot of flooding in the area, so a lot of the refugee camps and evacuation areas in Gaza and Rafa are flooded with sewage. And you can go on TikTok and you can look at it. Um, people are going to start to get sick, you know, and it's bound to happen and it's it's definitely going to be happening. So that is updates on that. Um, so the... <laughs> There was a shooting in Iowa. There was another school shooting. Um, A 17-year-old kid killed a sixth grader and injured other kids. Um, And the reason behind it was he said, people said that he was bullied. There's a lot of people who are bullied who aren't shooting up schools. And I don't really, It, it breaks my heart that we have kids who have such easy access to guns to be able to get a gun and and with their kid brain like with their frontal lobe not fully developed as a child think in their head well this is going to solve my problem i can get this gun and i can go shoot people they shouldn't even be able to access it it's so easy for them to and they're not obviously not processing information in a right way whether it's due to them being just a child or due to mental illness or whatever but it's an issue that is uniquely, very, very American and it's something that we only deal with here and we're honestly not even uh, we're not even dealing with it. <clears throat> so there are private private equity firms that are buying hospitals. Um, so this story kind of stuck out to me because I'm always screaming about the black maternal death rate because black women are five times more likely to die either during pregnancy. Um, during childbirth or postpartum than white women. And so whenever I see something about hospitals or like the medical field, it always kind of perks up my attention. So kind of what does that mean that private equity firms are buying hospitals? Well, this topic has been something that's been coming up more and more recently because it's something that's starting to happen a lot. So there's a lot of top private equity firms that are acquiring hospitals and health systems in the United States. So obviously that sparked a debate about whether or not it's good for the people or not. Like, is it good if a hospital is bought up by a private equity firm? And I'm here to tell you that it's not, okay? It's actually terrible. The outcomes are really, really so bad. So there have been studies and research done, and this is, I was looking at Harvard Business Review, and there's places that would say, take over a, like an old folks home, right? And this old folks home, this nursing home, or like older care home could have a rating of say like four stars, right? People like it. People have been there for a while. There's a waiting list. Like it's, it's doing good. Well, now a private equity firm comes in and they buy this old folks care home, this nursing home. And once they buy it, everything starts going down. People just start dying. Now people are getting bed sores. People are getting preventable illnesses and diseases that are now killing them because there's certain things that are like um, specific to like once you're in the hospital that you can get. And those types of specific hospital-related illnesses go up once a private equity firm comes in and takes over. Um, The clinical outcomes are so much worse. Um, Medicare patients are treated way worse than other people. So people are getting um, non-surgical-related illnesses like pneumonia, strokes, and the quality of life and goes down and the mortality rate goes up severely so this is something that's happening across the united states and it also then affects outcomes that are already bad so i.e the black maternal death rate you have people who are already dealing with racism and biases in the medical system as well and then once a private equity firm comes in those things get so much worse so the outcomes for black older patients in these nursing homes their outcomes are going to be slightly higher than other people's outcomes as well even though everybody's outcome across the board is is going up so that's just something to um kind of keep an eye on and when things go private it it goes bad and when we think about private prisons and how their whole goal, and this is the same for the hospitals, their whole goal is to cut cost, is to make it as cheap as possible. So those things that people liked about a place or maybe things that were perks or even things that were just nice things to do for the people that were there, all those things gets cut. All those things go away and they're running on the bare minimum. So now you have a lot of medical staff, nurses, doctors, um, just um, pharmacists, um, physicians assistants, everything like that, they are getting cut because they're reducing costs. So now there's not enough staff members to really run these hospitals and these facilities. So that's another reason why a lot of the non-surgical outcomes go up, like things like bed sores, because when there once was Five nurses working on a floor when the private equity firm comes in, now there's two working. So they're doing every they still have to go and do everything that these other places are doing, but there's not enough people to do those things. I was watching um, a video of a lady talking about how when this happens, how everything gets off of its kilter because you're supposed to feed people at a certain time. You're supposed to give people their medicine at a certain time, especially when you're dealing with people who are dealing with illnesses or older people, right? So now you only have two people working on this floor that have to go through all these patients. She was saying the medicine's not getting there on time. They're getting their medicine twice a day or three times a day, however many times they need to take it, but it's not getting there on time. And by the time they go around and do all the morning meds, get everybody their breakfast, get everybody their medicine, it's already time. they're running into the lunch medicine. So now they're overlapping into the lunch medicine when some patients are now just getting their medicine for breakfast. And just the way she was explaining it was so crazy. And I know I take medicine and has to, you know, you have to take it at a certain time or within a certain hours away from your other medicine. So that's just crazy to think that these people are in a home or in some type of hospital facility and are not even getting their medicine or anything taken care of on time. And um, so that's just really, really crazy. So um, something else crazy that I saw while I was doom scrolling was that the South Korean opposition leader was stabbed in the neck. Guys, I don't know if they took this video down, but I literally was minding my own business scrolling. And I saw this man get stabbed in the neck. He really just, they somebody really came up and stabbed him. Um, Apparently, the person that approached him said that they wanted to get an autograph, but they ended up stabbing him in the left side of the neck. Um, So that was just really, really insane to watch when I, as I said, I was really just minding my own business. Um, The man was unidentified. It was during a visit to the city of Busan. And shout out to my horror fans who only know where that is from the movie Train to Busan. And as of right now, he's okay. Um, he's 59 years old. He was the head of the main opposition democratic party. He was airlifted to a hospital in Seoul and he was receiving, um, emergency care. So that was wild. I don't know if that video is still up there, but I was just not really expecting that to happen, (laughs) um, while watching that. So in Florida, Cause y'all know Florida's gonna Florida. Okay, we just we already can we already know. So any government official has to now file a financial disclosure form, right? So we have to do that up here as far as where I live in Scranton. Um when I worked for the city, um, I was part of the mayor's cabinet and we all had to fill out financial disclosure forms and everything like that. That was pretty normal. I honestly thought that was standard practice. I guess that I was wrong with that. So due to this, hella politicians are resigning because they do not want to fill out these forms. So commissioners, mayors of cities, towns, villages, members of ethics commissions, they will have to file form six to disclose their net worth, the value of each asset, liability, and income sources over $1,000. Officials may also provide their most recent tax returns and financial, other financial disclosure agreements. So as I said, I thought that this was extremely normal. Apparently in Florida, this is controversial <laughs> and a lot of the politicians, I like I said, are mad about it and they feel like it was invasive and an overreach. I don't really think so, but a lot of people are resigning because they do not want to fill that form out. I don't know. I feel like they should have to fill it out. And to me, if you don't want to fill it out, why don't you want to fill it out then? Hmm? What's the reason? There must be some reason behind it. Because otherwise you would have no issue listing your financial disclosure or whatever. So that, it seems shady to me. And also other places really need to do that because it should be standard practice and that should be really, really normal. Um, So I don't know if some of you guys have seen the conversation, the discourse over young girls in makeup stores, but it has been something I've seen. And if you guys know me, you know, I love makeup jewelry, like all, all of that kind of stuff. I love skincare. So people were specifically talking about stores like Ulta and Sephora. So for me, I don't really honestly ever go to Ulta and Sephora. When I was stationed in Virginia, I used to go to Sephora all the time. Um, I bought most of my makeup there and I also would get my hair done at Sephora there's a girl there who could do a blowout like nobody's business. I would go there, I get my hair done, I'd buy my skincare, shampoo, makeup, everything from there. Once I got back up here, honestly, I don't ever really go to Ulta or Sephora anymore. I normally will just buy my makeup and skincare online. And that's how I normally do it or if it's something that they carry at like Target or Walmart or whatever. If I'm there buying stuff, then I'll grab it when I'm there. But people are complaining that teens are taking over these spaces and not just teens, like kid kids, like 10 year olds, seven year olds. And that they're wanting to buy all of these skincare products, including ones that contain retinol and different things. So products like Drunk Elephant, which are for women of a certain age, who are trying to help their skin keep it together. Not for 10 year olds who have perfect little 10 year old skin with still their little baby fat cheeks. So I guess not only are kids trying to go in there and buy things that they shouldn't be using. So that's part of the conversation is, you know, whose issue is this? Whose fault is it? Is it parents fault because your kids are trying to buy the stuff they shouldn't be using? Parents giving their kids money to just go buy stuff or Apparently, there's been a lot of parents coming in buying their kids this kind of stuff. So for me, I kind of took a little bit of a different approach on popular opinion because I did a lot of research on makeup and different things. My daughter has a red dye allergy. And also there's a couple of really great documentaries on Netflix and on Tubi. I believe about just the makeup industry and skincare and how the FDA does not regulate makeup and also how kids makeup is like hella not regulated or anything. They just be putting shit in there. So the makeup that you buy from places like Claire's or five below or anything like that, that walmart like the little kids eyeshadow packets or like little their little bubble bath or all that stuff is so bad for you it's toxic a lot of the makeup includes asbestos and a lot of it also included things like lead in them and these levels were not safe levels. They were above and beyond. And that goes for the makeup and perfumes and lotions and the stuff that they sell in places like Claire's. And to top it all off, Claire's is so expensive for their little fake stuff. Like there there was a bracelet in there that was like $30 for a little fake bracelet. So as a parent, if I'm going to buy my kid a bracelet, I'm probably just going to buy them a real bracelet from somewhere do you know what i mean and if i'm gonna buy them a little cheap bracelet i'm buying them like a little cheap bracelet from the dollar store so for me i understand parents going into places like ulta and sephora to try to buy things for their kids just because those things are a bit safer a bit more regulated and you actually know what the ingredients are a lot of those makeups and lotions and different things that are for kids don't have ingredient list on them at all they're nowhere near because it's considered fake and play so it doesn't have to have the same standards that other things have now mind you the standard for actual beauty care products and makeup and all those things are treacherous they could be better but when it's considered for kids or like play makeup and different things like that they have none. And it's just so much worse. So as I was kind of watching the, the conversations around it, that's where my mind kind of went. Like, obviously I'm not going to be buying my kid anything with retinol, or I'm not going to be buying her $60 skin cream, but we do go to like, um, this place called like the refillery where they sell organic products and we take our jars and I get her her own little lotion and she has her own little dye-free makeup that she can play with so that she can be a kid and use those things but also be safe so I don't know that was just kind of like my unpopular opinion about it because people were really mad at these kids and and yelling at them or whatever and stuff and a lot of the conversation had to do with kids being bad and running around and i guess digging their fingers into makeup like kids do and making dents and everything and just leaving stuff super messy but i don't understand why can't they tell these kids to get out the store if my black ass okay excuse me can be told as a child in a store can be followed around can be told to leave because i didn't have a parent can basically be asked if i'm stealing anything why can't they tell these little kids just to get out the store that's my question too why can't you tell them to get out if you see them destroying stuff if they're being rude to people if they're making a mess why can't y'all just tell them to get out because y'all sure could tell us to get out and as a black adult i sure still do get followed around stores so why can't y'all follow these kids around the store hmm okay i'll i'll wait for your i'll wait to find out if we're gonna start following them around the store or not but you know I'm just saying. (laughs) Well, thank you guys so much for joining me on another episode of Politics But Make It Fashion. I will be coming back soon with Politics But Make It Fashion. Come interview with me. We have a whole nother list of interviewees coming up that have some great stories and great businesses and different tips to share with everybody I'm really looking forward to a lot of our guests that I will be having coming up. Make sure that you subscribe to us wherever you listen to podcasts. Make sure you subscribe to us on YouTube at Politics But Make It Fashion. We have a TikTok at Politics But Make It Fashion. Facebook page, Politics But Make It Fashion. And we have an Instagram that is Politics But Make It Fashion 1. And we will chat soon.